The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Great to have you along on my program today here on the Shepherd Radio Network, heard in Orlando, also Ocala, the Villages, and up in Gainesville. So thankful for these stations that reach with the gospel of Jesus and interesting people like my guest today. I have Dell Wright on the phone. Dell has a rich experience in ministry working with FCA. I know a lot of you people up in the Gainesville area will know uh, will know the names of Don and David Barber. Uh, Don Malden led FCA up there for a long time, and actually, Dell would have been over that area in FCA. He was a regional director, and, uh, and now he's leading a ministry that involves his last name. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But first of all, to Dell Wright, welcome to my program. Mike, it's great to be with you. You know, this is exciting. I've met a lot of people since moving back to Orlando. We uh, left here in '02 and spent the next 17 years in the Gainesville area. But since moving back, I've uh, some names that I've uh, uh, that I know you would know like Jeff Duke got to be with him and he's been on my show before. And I know you know Noah Wilbanks. Well, I was going to say uh Dr. Duke is a very good friend of mine. I told him that if I did nothing else in FCA but hire him and Frank Renoso, that my legacy would be intact because those two guys are absolute all stars. They really are. And you already know that about yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff is a fantastic guy, incredibly talented, and just a dear friend. And I know Jeff's book is like one of the main staples in the whole FCA movement. Yeah, three dimensional coaching. We actually started that in Florida. It was an experiment that actually grew become the framework that FCA used nationally and now globally for coaches ministry. And of course he has the 3D Institute as well and just done a fantastic job with that. And really three-dimensional coaching affects every aspect of life. It's just, it's not just athletic coaching, but it transcends sport, which I'm sure you're familiar with all of that, but uh, it's a, it's a great read. Even non-readers would love to read Jeff's book on 3D coaching. Yeah, even uh, people that aren't into the coaching profession, because his principles are biblically based and very applicable to different businesses, different uh, structures of, uh, you know, groups. It wouldn't have to be a football group or a baseball group. I mean, any coaching uh, would benefit from his thoughts. And he is one of the most down-to-earth guys, isn't he? He really is. Yeah, and when I say it transcends sport, it really does. It works at home, at work, and in the world, which is my slogan that I use with Right Way Leadership because we have to be Mm three-dimensional in everything we do. It's physicality, it's the mental, it's the spiritual. It's all of those three things, and Jeff does a fantastic job framing that up and explaining it and how we can apply that, live it out in our everyday life. Well. personally and professionally. It was wonderful to meet him. And it's great to get to talk with you now on the phone. I know you're calling from the beautiful area of Franklin, Tennessee. That is one of my favorite spots in all of the country. And uh, a lot of country music artists live in the Franklin area, right? That is correct. It used to be one of the best kept secrets in America. Not so much anymore. My (laughs) wife is in real estate and People are moving from all over the country. It's one of the fastest growing areas in all the country and not so much a secret. When I moved here back in 2011, people would complain about rush hour traffic. And I'm like, oh, gosh, this is a joke compared to Orlando. But then 10, 11 years later, it's not a joke anymore. Not a joke. (laughs) Yeah, it's busy. I feel like I'm back in Orlando. Of course, Orlando's gotten bigger and all of that, but uh, it's still a wonderful place to live. I went from the two seasons of Florida, which I love very much, hot and hotter, <laughs> to now we actually have four seasons up here, and I like three of the four, and I guess you can 
guess which one I don't uh, yeah, like. I have a feeling but, uh, you don't like the snow and the ice and all of that, right? That's right. That's exactly right. So December to March, if you want me to come back to Florida or anywhere along the <laughs> Gulf Coast, I am your guy. You'll be the Snowbird FCA former director there. That'll be great, coming down from the north. You know, we were up there in uh, the Nashville area with my daughter, who did some songwriting at one of the uh, big uh, labels up there for one year. And, and we thought we were safe. My wife and I were going to go along with her and we were going to hit the fun spots in Nashville around music row and all that. And right before we went, this would be back up. I think this was 2015 when this happened, there was a March, a very unusual March snowstorm that just, it was a blizzard. It was more than a snowstorm. It was a blizzard yeah. that blanketed the entire area. It it canceled her songwriting uh, thing that day, and they deferred it to the next day. And so here Cindy and I are thinking that we're going to have, you know, kind of a mild, kind of late late winter time in Nashville. And it, it's full-on winter there with with really cold, I mean, freezing cold. You probably were up there then, right? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. In fact, I can't remember where I was coming back from, but I just flew back from somewhere. And I-65 was very desolate that day because oh, yeah. there was snow everywhere. Yeah, there weren't too many people on the roads. Yeah, we got snowed in one day because we were staying down in the Murfreesboro area, and we couldn't even safely make it into the Nashville area from there. So we were snowed in. It was crazy. So... Uh, I uh, I know that that is the one season of that part of the country that I would agree with you. I wouldn't want that again. I think I had all the snow when living in Indiana and all that that I ever care about. Hey, Dell, you know, you were here as a student at UCF. Uh, go back a little bit. Tell us how you ended up in Florida if you weren't from here all along or from the from birth or whatever. Where did you grow up? How did you come to know the Lord? Yeah, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky. I was the fifth of five children, got four older sisters. So I grew up with five mothers, if you know what I mean <laughs> yes. on that. I was pretty spoiled. <laughs> oh, my goodness. As a young kid. But I uh, had asthma and was a sickly child. So I spent a lot of my first year of life in the hospital. Mm. The doctors and medical staff encouraged my family to relocate to Florida, which was a huge move back in 1971-72, and because of the warmer climate, it was away from the cold smog. I guess at that time, probably yeah, cold right. was a bigger issue in Kentucky. And uh, as you can imagine, moving a family of five children to South Florida at the time, Coral Springs, near Fort Lauderdale, that was a huge deal. Yeah, it course, certainly would have been. Yeah, my, my sisters all had friends, we had family everywhere, and it, it was just a very challenging time. The Lord ended up healing me because I guess the combination of weather mm -hmm. and just over the years, I grew out of the asthma. I mean, I was on a preventolin inhaler and all of those things when I was young, but I can't remember the last time I had an asthma attack, and I ended up being the, the best athlete in the family, Wow, playing sports year-round. Ended up playing college football at UCF. That's what took me from Ocala, because we had lived in Pearl Springs for eight years. Mm -hmm. Then we moved to Ocala. Grew up on a horse farm, cattle farm at first, then a thoroughbred horse farm. So I was driving trucks and tractors in the fourth grade. Wow. It's pretty cool. That is amazing. Learned my work ethic yes. from my father. And growing up on a 180-acre farm, you can imagine that would keep you busy mowing, taking care of the animals and everything else, and ended up going to UCF to play football back in 1990 because I realized it was cheaper to go to school in-state and not have a scholarship than to take the out-of-state scholarships that I had and mm -hmm. ended up walking on, ended up starting my senior year, and that's actually where I came to know Christ. It was through the ministry of FCA through Fellowship of Christian Athletes my sophomore year and um, served two years as the president of the huddle, which at the time, FCA had about 200 staff in the entire country. So we didn't have the paid professional mm -hmm. to help us run the huddle. 
there at UCF. I like what John Maxwell says. I'm part of the John Maxwell team, and he says everything rises and falls on leadership. Well, the leadership was on our backs. If we were going to make it happen, we had to plan the meetings on Sunday night, host the meetings on Thursday night. There was no professional there to carry the load for mm-hmm. us. When I left FDA at the end of February last year, we had 283 staff in our four states. Wow. So that tells you how much it had grown. Yeah, it's grown. Over those 27 years, you know, from 200 staff to over 2,100 staff, and we had 283 of those in the four states that I served mm-hmm. in the Southeast Central region. Boy, it changed a lot. And I know that you were there in those formidable years when it was forming and really growing. And like you said, the leadership was developing and it ended up going the direction that it did with uh, expansion all over the place. Now at UCF, when you were there as a football player, would you have played with Darren Slack? No, he was a little bit before me. I think Darren graduated in 87. Yeah. Okay. That's right. That would be right. I know him very well. He was on staff with FDA at the time. Yes, he was. We actually overlapped just a little bit as far as his tenure and mine when I first came on staff. But I think he was leaving as I was coming on. And I served two years as an area representative, then became an area director, did that for all of my years. But I also served as a multi-area director and then regional director of Florida. Uh, relocating to Tennessee as the vice president of field ministry here. Now, I know that Darren has a fantastic guy. He is an awesome guy. guy. He is a great football man to this day, uh, being able to train and teach quarterbacking to people. Uh, But uh, I know he had a lot of records that stayed for many years until one little quarterback named Dante Culpepper, I believe is his name, that kind of set some new records (laughs) there. Yeah, it's, it's just a, just yeah, a little like the bit. Adjective you use little. I'm not sure little and Dante <laughs> go together. But yeah. Yeah, I was being very facetious <laughs> in saying that, man. Right. Yeah, he's he's a giant of a guy, and you know, you would have been playing right right before they went D1, right? That's correct. And I actually got to know Dante. Took him to church with me a few times. Is that right? I knew his grandmother. Oh yeah, because I was from Ocala. Of course, he was from Ocala, so uh-huh. I got to know his grandmother who raised him and. I had taken into church with me, and we developed a good friendship. But, uh, yeah, he did put us on the map. And, of course, I'd be remiss to say that Coach Steve Sloan didn't have a lot to do with that, too, because mm-hmm. as the director of athletics and all of his SEC connections, he's the one that got us to be the the whooping pole for a lot of these SEC teams. But we made a lot of money back in those days, which helped us build the program because – we would be some of the non-conference games for the SEC schools before they got into their SEC play. But I remember going into Steve Sloan's office and I would see on his whiteboard all of the games and the payouts that we were going to make at UCF. So uh, another terrific guy. I'll tell you, yeah, Mike, I have been so blessed to meet some of the most incredible, outstanding people in the world through FCA. I really have. It's a wonderful organization for bringing people together, and yet with all of uh, the influence and impact that FCA has, every time I'm with somebody like yourself who's been a a leader and maybe an integral part of the leadership of uh, a region like you did, I'm always blown away about how down-to-earth and friendly all of you are. That is a cultural thing inside of FCA that is just marvelous. Well, I think so. I mean, and the coaches that we've worked with through the years, they're at the top of their game. I'm talking about guys like Tony Dungy mm-hmm. and Bobby Bowden, Mark Rick. In fact, two of my highlights with FCA was I got to spend three full days with Tony Dungy traveling and speaking and doing some things. He's always been one of my heroes. In fact, when he was at Tampa Bay, I became a Tampa Bay Bucks fan because of Tony. That's right. When when he got fired and moved to Indianapolis, I became a Colts fan. That's right. Because of Tony. Tony is that kind of guy, isn't coaches. he? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. And I could tell you story after story of guys that have played for him. Like I said, I've spent three days with him myself. So what you see on TV, it's the same guy. I mean, he is down to earth, salt of the earth. 
incredible Christian man. Um, Bobby Bowden, I traveled with him a lot when he was alive and just uh, an incredible testimony and legacy Mm. that Coach Bowden has had throughout 50 years of coaching. I mean, can you imagine? You've been in broadcasting 50 years. Well, Coach Bowden coached over five decades. Oh, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'll never forget something he said. He was interviewed when he became – him and Joe Paterno were inducted into the NCAA Coaches Hall of Fame while they were still coaching, which was, I think, the first time that that had ever happened. He was asked a question by a reporter. He said – the reporter said, you've coached over five decades. He said, over those five decades, athletes, have they changed a lot in five decades? Now, you would assume that Coach Bowden would come back and say, oh, yeah, absolutely, they have. Well, he thought for a moment, and he came back, and he said, you know, I don't know that athletes have changed that much. He said, they may look different. You know, their hair's longer. They may have some jewelry and tattoos. He said, but I think what's changed are the parents. Mm. He said, it used to be that I would go into homes and I'd recruit these young men. They'd have mamas and daddies. He said, but now I go in and they got mamas and grandmamas. Mm-hmm. That's right. He said, thank God for the mamas and grandmamas. But he said, these young men have got to have male role models and they don't. Well, it used to be they might have some uncles or they might have pastors. And unfortunately, they don't even have a lot of that anymore. But what they still have are coaches. Those coaches are the surrogate fathers. That's the lifeline for a, a lot of these young men that have no idea how to be a young man. They haven't seen it. They haven't been around it. But when they get into sports and they start getting coached by men and hopefully godly men, Christian men that are followers of Christ, it has a profound impact on them. Mm -hmm. So those are just a couple of highlights for me as I reflect on 27 years with FCA. You know, when I think back to the times I've talked to these guys up in Gainesville, And the thing that most of them will say, the coaches themselves will say that they're not doing it for the money. They're not doing it even for the love of coaching. They love more than anything the impact that they are able to have on these students that they coach. And there was one of them up there that I was able to interview just a couple of weeks back at the uh, kickoff classic at uh, Westside Baptist was um, a guy that was now the new coach at Williston, and he has over 40 years of coaching experience, and he's still at it. He still loves it. He still loves the impact that he's able to bring. That's truly a remarkable truth that you've just given us, that they become surrogate fathers to a lot of these uh, players who don't have uh, a dad or a a role model like a dad brings to a nuclear family. That's becoming less and less the case, as sad as that is. Wow. Del Wright is my guest today. We'll be back with Del. We're going to be talking about his organization called Right Way Leadership. When we return, this is Afternoons with Mike, and you're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com with me on the program today is Dell Wright. Dell leads Right Way Leadership, and this is a new venture. You mentioned in segment one that you kind of came uh, to the end of your tenure with FCA, an organization I think you said for 27 years, right? That's correct. I thought I was going to retire with FCA, and God, as only God can do, he had 
a change for me back in February. I took a one month sabbatical, really sought him on what was next. If I was going to stay on staff with FCA and do something different or do something different altogether. And I really didn't think that that was going to be the case, but he made it very clear as I often do during times of transition seasons of change, I journal and had over 20, I think closer to 25 pages of type journal notes Wow! that God was confirming that this season of life and ministry was coming to a close and there was a new season beginning, hmm. which is what I'm doing now with right way leadership as a senior member of the John Maxwell team. I've got my own business, right way leadership, and I do executive coaching, speaking, lead team training with folks all over the country. So you travel a lot now, right? I travel some. I'd like to travel more. I miss actually traveling to Africa and globally. I've been to 14 different countries around the world, and I like to do that every so often. Still love to come home to the United States. It's interesting. You know, people complain about how bad America is, and my goodness, we've got a lot of problems. That's Mm -hmm. for sure right now. But uh, I never once regretted coming home. I think if you've gone outside of the country and you've seen how the rest of the world lives and operates, you're always thankful. That's right. Back home. And I've heard that from people all over the world. They're like, we wish our government was more honest and ran things better. And of course, you and I might laugh at that today because of all the mess that we've got going on. Yeah. But it's still better and what you see around the globe. But uh, I do travel, and I enjoy doing that. I've got clients in lots of different states, some here in the Nashville, Tennessee area. And then because of Zoom and other things, we can do a lot of virtual mm-hmm. business and ministry as well. Now, you mentioned something, Dell, that I'd like to go back and circle around and talk about for a moment, and that was journaling. This is something that a lot of guys are, I think, discovering in earnest because of reports like what you have just shared. And I had an opportunity to recently hear Buck Jacobs from the C12, the group that meets and has men's meetings and uh, discipleship programs. And he is a big proponent for journaling. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've learned, the benefits that journaling brought your way? Yeah, I haven't met Buck. I'm very familiar with C12. I actually have met some of their chairs, as they call them. And you're right, journaling is, is I wouldn't even say a forgotten art. I don't think it's an, a learned art or skill by most men. Mm-hmm. You know, we think of women, and they have diaries. Yeah, They do a lot better job, generally speaking, about putting their thoughts on paper and, and all of that. For guys... It's journaling, and one of the things that I teach clients all the time, Mike, you're a pretty intelligent guy, and I think I am too. I graduated cum laude with a business degree from UCF, got a master's degree from Asbury Theological Seminary, but I think it's safe to say that neither one of us is a genius. That's right. (laughs) Far from it. Research shows, yeah, yeah, but research shows if we were a genius, we would only retain 10% of what we hear. Now, think about that. Wow. That's a horrible ROI. When you think about Fortune 500 companies or business leaders bringing in speakers, and they might pay $10,000, $25,000, $50,000 for these speakers to come in, the retention rate is only 10%. Well, research also shows that if you take notes on what you're hearing, your retention rate goes up 500%. Wow. From 10 to 50%. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. I've told my kids since they were little on, we've got four daughters and our last one's a junior in high school. The other three are in college now. I said, take notes in church. Even if you throw them away as you walk out the door or never look at them again, you just increased your retention by 500%. That's really true. Well, journaling, if you take good notes, you've got 100% retention or at least the potential for mm-hmm. 100% retention. And it helps you to really formulate what's going on. You know, so here's something to think about. You can have four C's of making a decision and never looking back. So this is uh, a way to discern what's God leading me to do. 
Well, the first thing would be a conviction within. What is the conviction that God is stirring in your heart to do or not to do something, to leave or to stay? And, you know, you could journal that. Then you've got circumstances. What's happening around me circumstantially that would lead me to this crossroads? You know, for me, it was back in February. Do I stay with FCA, continue down that track, or do something different? Well, circumstances played a part in that. Mm -hmm. Then third, you've got the counsel of others. If you're married, make sure that you're leaning heavily on your spouse. Nobody knows you better, loves you more than your spouse. But also, there's going to be some key confidants, Mm -hmm. some trusted advisors. Keep that circle small because everybody has an opinion, right, Mike? (laughs) That's right. Like noses, they're all different. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, So if you get too many opinions, it actually doesn't help. It causes more confusion. But if you've got a small group of men and women that can provide counsel to you, that can help in the process. And then finally, there's the confirmation of Scripture, which is so, so important. And Reading scripture, whether you use a devotional, whether you're going through books of the Bible, commentaries, sermon podcasts. I mean, there are certain Bible teachers I listen to, if not daily, several times a week. I've got my own quiet time. But journaling those things, it's so helpful in the moment, but it's extremely helpful and beneficial down the road when you have a crisis of belief and you start to question, well, did I miss God's calling? Then you can go back to your journal and read all of those things that God did in the midst of that transition. It reassures you that, you know what, I didn't miss God's Right, right. Because here's confirmation, here's the reminder of what he did during that season of change and transition. You know, I've done a poor job of being consistent at that, but there are journals that I started and I've still got them, and every now and then I'll read one of them, and what you said is exactly true because when I read my own writing, I am taken back to that moment when I wrote it and I remember the whys and I can feel the impact of those those thoughts and those words. And we know in the scripture that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people like Mordecai who was the benefactor of, uh, of the king's journals himself. His uh, chronicles right. saved his life. And when the king re- reads and hears something read to him that actually uh, he had, it, it was not on top of mind at all, had been forgotten, and uh, that ended up being a pivotal thing in his life. So this is something that we should all consider doing. Yeah, I really encourage people to uh, find out more, because I know your organization, you, you make this a part of what you do. Buck Jacobs has some uh, resources on that as well, if anybody wants to follow up on journaling. Uh, tell us about uh, more about this decision to leave FCA and to do what you're doing and to forming this uh, organization that bears your name, Right Way Leadership. Yeah, I'm one of the unusual guys that went into FCA almost 30 years ago, and I enjoyed raising support, financial support. Now, at the time, I had no idea how to do it. I had to raise $25,000 in order to come on staff, and back in those days, $25,000 was a lot of money, talking about in 1994. Mm -hmm. Well, it may as well have been a million dollars for a recent college graduate with no training in fundraising, support raising, and the like, but the Lord brought that in in about three months' time which was nothing short of a miracle for me at that season of life. But I ended up serving as an area rep for two years and then an area director. So I'm supervising staff 10 to 15 years my senior. Wow. Leadership is my strongest spiritual gift. Leadership, teaching, I've got some profit in me too, which is the black and white. I see things very black and white. I think as I've gotten older, I've learned to adjust that. Not that I compromise, but As one pastor friend of mine said many years ago, we have to live in the gray. We wish that all of life was very black and white, but dealing with the messiness of life and people's lives in particular, you have to maneuver in the gray, and the situational leadership is so important. But um, going back to your question, 
I worked with the community leaders, the business leaders, worked with boards, the organizational side, the business side of FCA, which back in the early 90s, we were flying by the seat of our pants. <laughs> there, there wasn't a lot of structure and alignment and those kind of things, because if you said you were going to support FCA at $100 a month, God bless you, we hope the money came in each month, but there wasn't even a tracking system in place. We had to develop that, design that ourselves there in Central Florida, and we're one of the pioneers to do that. Obviously, it grew tremendously over 30 years because when I first became the vice president here in the Southeast Central region, which was five states, Mike, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana, we had 114 staff. Well, it grew to 283 staff in four states. Wow. Because we lost Louisiana because we had grown so much. The annual contribution, excuse me, contribution revenue went from $8 million a year in five states to over $20 million a year in four. The wow. monthly revenue went from $550,000 a year in five states to over $6 million a year in four. So growing and developing something, that's just always been what I did. I took something that was already good, and the Lord allowed me to help make it great. Mm. That's what I get to do now. I get to do it in the context of marketplace ministry. Now, nothing against being a full-time vocational minister. Obviously, I did that for 27 years. But if we're not careful, we can go from one holy huddle to the next. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and not— we can go from this— and, and I was going to say, and not be uh, necessarily affecting the unsaved the way that you have a heart to do. I really do. And you hit the nail on the head. Some of my favorite memories of doing ministry was the weight room at Wayne Bench Sports Complex on the campus of UCF back in the day. Mm -hmm. I'm rubbing up against these non-Christian athletes and coaches, trainers, managers. I loved it. Now, they knew what I stood for. You know, I was the FDA president, very outspoken about my faith, certainly not perfect. I had all my own flaws. We know that as Christians. It's not that we're perfect. It's just that we're perfected because of Christ. But I had some deep convictions, and guys respect that. Well, I got into some great conversations with guys in the weight room, on the field, traveling to and from games, in hotels, all of that stuff. I miss that. Mm -hmm. I'm getting to do that again. Now I'm working with business leaders. Some of them are solid followers of Christ. Some of them, they talk about the man upstairs, right? And when you hear about the man upstairs, you know, okay, this person doesn't understand <laughs> That's what right. it is to be born again and have a relationship with Christ, but they've got some familiarity with Jesus and the Bible. And for me, that excites me. Hmm. And I just get really fired up to work with people like that. And, and then some, they don't have any clue because so many people nowadays grow up without any knowledge of Christ in the Bible. It's a blank slate for them. And Mike, in some respects, it's easier to reach them than it is to reach some of those that have religion. I agree completely. In their background. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not tainted. Yeah. And I think that is That's a similar right. reason why when people go to other countries and they do ministry in, in a country where the gospel hasn't been as preached as it is in America, there's so much faith because when people come face to face with the gospel and they, they hear about Jesus and his love for them, they're all in and they give all in to the Lord in that moment. But if you're tainted with a little bit of religion, uh, then you can think you have what you don't really possess. And that's, I believe, one of the big problems. And that's where evangelism keeps us on the gospel track. I, I believe that completely. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I'm all about leadership development. I started reading about leadership once I graduated from UCF. I wasn't much of a reader prior to that, but then I I gained a love for books. I'm, I'm looking at my bookcase right now. I've probably got 200 books in my office. Those aren't for show. I've read them. Mm -hmm. If you open them up, you'll see highlights. You'll see notes. You'll see when I last read those books. 
with the John Maxwell team, I've got access to all 87 of John's books, 50 plus years of world class leadership, plus my 27 years of leadership. So I've taken and created content for 30 different leadership lessons. I have PowerPoints, worksheets, the whole nine yards that I take people through. I do mastermind groups for groups up to 10. So a business could hire me to work with 10 of their folks internally. I've got some mastermind groups that I do with folks from different companies, different parts of the country. I do executive coaching one-on-one with business leaders. I also do leadership summits. Mm. I'll come in and speak to lead teams. Again, using my content, but also facilitating discussion, whether it's a SWOT analysis or dealing with whatever the problem is, trying to get to the, the crux of that and coming up with solutions. I love doing all that. It's what I've done for nearly 30 years. Wow. In fact, the last 10 years, I worked with nearly 80 boards across the four states of FTA in my region. I loved working with business people. I could talk business with them. I had that business acumen because of my background in education, my degree, but I also did it practically on the organizational structural side with FCA for most of my time on staff. And, you know, I've got things like leading yourself. When you think about leadership, you think about leading self, leading others, leading teams, leading organizations. Well, most people would say leading teams and organizations is the hardest part. That's not the case. The hardest person to lead is yourself. Yeah. You know, I've got a, a leadership lesson called life management. Notice, Mike, I didn't call it time management. We can't manage time any more than we can manage the wind That's and control right. the wind. <laughs> That's awesome. But Let's pick that up in the next segment, if you will. We're up against okay. a break, and uh, I'm just so, so excited to have Dell Wright as my guest today. Uh, we'll have his uh, email address and uh, his web address for you coming up in just a moment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on The Shepherd. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with me today is Del Wright. We mentioned his contact information as we close the last segment. Go ahead and give us that, Del. Sure. I'd love folks to contact me at Dell at rightwayleadership.com. That's Dell with one L, D-E-L, at rightwayleadership.com. And Rightway is spelled just like your last name is spelled, W-R-I-G-H-T-R-A-Y, leadership.com. That's right. That's a nice play on words there. It is, yeah. Sometimes your last name uh, opens up some creative opportunities, and, and mine did. Yeah, mine not so much because the the only thing that I can look back at my life and think that people use my name was when I was in grade school, I was called Gillamonster, and that was it. So, that, I mean, it, it was not a lot of uh, potential uh, profit for me in that, but uh, that it is what it is, and I'm grateful for you to have such a great name for that. Uh, how can uh, we know that people can take advantage of, of the resources that you've got on your website you mentioned working with businesses. Do uh, Is this something that you uh, do regularly where you go in and, let's say, work with a, a group of employees at a particular business? Yeah, it is. In fact, living in Orlando for 21 years, I've got quite a few clients there in Orlando. So I'm commuting back and forth to meet in person with some of those clients. I also do virtual connections with them. 
doing the mastermind groups, the one-on-one coaching and mm-hmm. the lead team training. But uh, Orlando is always going to be a special place to me. I mean, lots of years there, lots of relationships, still have quite a few friends. And, you know, as I was saying before the break, you know, life management. Another example, we can't manage our time because we don't control time. The only person that controls time is God himself. In fact, Mike, you and I could go broke, lose all of our money. We can go out and make more money. We could lose an extremity. We could lose our voice. We could lose something that we have to reinvent ourselves and develop a new talent. The one thing we cannot do, though, we cannot make more time. So when I do life management, I'm talking to business leaders about managing yourself so that you can maximize your time. That's the ticket. It's a skill. Mm -hmm. We develop these skills. Are some people naturally more innate leaders? Sure. But overall, generally speaking, leadership is a skill that's developed over many, many years. And some of it is experiential. Uh, some of it is watching others. It's all of that and more. You know, prioritizing time, simple is better, is another lesson that I do. Defining moments help define you. Most of us don't even know what those defining moments are. That's one of my favorite lessons to take people through because can you identify the top 25 defining moments in your life? I'm talking about the A's and B's of life, the milestones, the successes. Mm-hmm. We've got some of those, but what about the D's and F's of life? I'm talking about death, disease, divorce, disappointment, defeat, fear, failure. We all have those. As we Have we framed them up to look at what happened? What did I learn through those D's and F's? How has it changed me, transformed me, and how can I use this to share with others to help them learn from it, whether it be our family, our friends, or our coworkers, Mm -hmm. our clients. Um, Critical listening. I've often said this. I love teaching folks how to speak better, communicate better. It amazes me how many executives are not good communicators. I'm not talking about just on stage. I'm talking about even one-on-one. The non-words, the and so the ums, the ahs, and not having their thoughts in order. But what about listening? I love that we have speech class in high school and college. I know most people have a fear of public speaking, but why don't we have listening class? I mean, Mike, if we did a better job listening, it would positively impact every aspect of our lives. You know, I was reading if a book married, one time. I was reading yeah. a book about uh, by Stephen Covey, and he talked about or Covey. He talked about uh, how that we spend eighty percent of our time doing what we uh, studying about what we only do twenty percent of the time, and that's speaking. We don't mm-hmm. give hardly any time to doing what most people do eighty percent of the time, and that is listening. So it is an art. It is something though that people just inherently. They don't pay attention to. Isn't that right? Absolutely. And I'm one of them. I'm just going to make a public confession here. I struggle with this. And that's why I love leading this particular lesson. There's uh, an author and he said, people suffer from three delusions. That they're a good driver, that they have a good sense of humor, and that they're a good listener. Well, Mike, I suffer from two of those delusions. I think that I'm a good driver. I drove a lot, covering five states with FCA, lots of miles, very few tickets, and only one fender bender when I was in my 20s. So I think I'm a pretty good driver. But my wife would say, I drive too fast and I tailgate. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I think I have a good sense of humor, but my girls are always quick to say, oh, no, you got a dad to me. Yeah, dad jokes. That yeah, that's fun. right. Yeah. But Mike, here's the thing I know. I'm not a good listener. I have to work at it. I really do. And thank God I've gotten better than I was, but I'm still not as good as I need to be. The only way you're going to develop it, I'm going to develop it, whatever the skill is, we've got to practice it. We've got to do it. And sometimes we have to do an undo-it-yourself project before we can do a do-it-yourself project. And the undo-it-yourself project 
takes more time, effort, and energy than the do-it-yourself project. Mm-hmm. So I have to stop those bad habits and formulate the good habits. Now I'm I'm betting I, I'm betting yeah. that a lot of our listeners are are going to just group them in this same category that you've just given about yourself very humbly that we're not good listeners. So for all of the not good listeners who want to grow, uh, I don't want to uh, take away from your teaching syllabus or whatever, but if you could give one first step, how can people become better listeners? What's the first step to take? Two thoughts came to my mind immediately. Number one, don't cut somebody off in mid-sentence, whether it's your spouse, your child, a friend, or whatever. Let them finish whatever they're saying. Even if you're right in trying to finish their sentence, it's never going to be received well. You're not impressing that person by doing that. You're disrespecting them. They don't feel valued. They don't feel important. So don't interrupt. And secondly, listen with your face. What I'm talking about is the eye contact, looking into their eyes, being intent. Don't, don't multitask. Don't sit there in a meeting. You're looking at your phone. You're checking text. You're looking at emails while somebody else is presenting. Even the worst presenter in the world we can learn from. Mm-hmm. And you and I have probably heard from some of the best, and we've seen some that aren't very good. But even the ones that aren't very good, we can still learn from them. If we'll humble ourselves, really lean in, listen, and learn. But it requires a humble posture. If you have a prideful posture, you're not going to learn anything. But if you have a humble posture Mm -hmm. that, you know what, I'm eager to really lean in, listen, and learn, you will definitely learn. Those are two things that I would tell everybody. If you do those things, you're going to become a much better listener. That's outstanding. Good advice. And thank you for that. You know, you mentioned earlier your love for kind of talking to people who are not believers and having that opportunity to evangelize the lost in places like the the weight room and all of that. About your leadership training, if you were to think, what is uh, what would be one of the things or a couple of the things that you really love about just the challenge of going into a business or going into a church, speaking to those people about leadership? What would it be? Well, one thing I tell them, I'm a man of faith. I learned that from John Maxwell. He typically will lead with that. I take it a little further than John. When I first heard John, it was at First Baptist Church Orlando. Back in 1997, he had just come out with the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And here's what I'll do. I'm going to quote Peter Drucker. I'll quote Jack Welch, but I'm also going to quote King Solomon, the Apostle Paul, or Jesus Christ himself. Now, I'm not beating them up with the Bible, but either leadership principles work or they don't. And in fact, I'll often say this to an audience. I said, hey, if I was a pagan and I thought Jesus Christ was a fairy tale, that the Bible was a book of fairy tales, I still would read the book of Proverbs because it works. Mm. I challenge you. There's 31 chapters. Read one chapter a day. Read the book of Proverbs. Apply what you're reading in that book, and then come back and tell me if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. What that does is it entices them. It's a challenge, and like, especially as men, but even women, we like challenges. So the challenge is laying out there before them. They start to look at these Proverbs, which is why I quote them a lot, Because most people would say, wow, I didn't even know that that was in the Bible. I didn't realize that the Bible had such practical application for my life personally and professionally. See, now we've whet their appetite. Mm -hmm. We're enticing them to maybe open up the cover and read some other spots, read the Gospels, read the epistles that Paul writes in the New Testament, because what a tremendous teacher an influencer he was, mentor that he was to so many. But, um, you know, that's part of what I would do. And I do with one-on-one coaching, small groups, or in those mastermind groups. You know, you mentioned Paul. One of the things I love reading about Paul is not only did he have these great words for those that were listeners in the churches reading these uh, letters that he would write, but 
you could also see very clearly that he had a deep love for them as well. And having a love for your audience makes a difference, doesn't it? Absolutely. I had a seminary professor, Dr. Bob Tuttle, at Asbury Theological Seminary. He was one of those guys, when the bell rang, when time was up, you wished he'd keep going. I had another guy like that, Dr. Steve Harper, who was the vice president of the seminary. But Dr. Tuttle, Dr. T, as I affectionately call him, he said something. He says, you know, I just genuinely love people. He was the professor of evangelism Mm. at Asbury. He said, I find people extremely interesting. And he said, but the question I like to use is, tell me about yourself. If he's on an airplane traveling somewhere, somebody's next to him, he'll just say, tell me about yourself. He said, students, who are we experts on? Well, Mike, we're experts on ourselves. It's easy to talk about yourself. He said, if you'll get to get them talking about themselves and listen, He said, the Holy Spirit will give you so many opportunities to share the gospel. It's not even funny. Well, he's right. He said, the better sociologist I become, the better evangelist I am. Oh, that's great. Wow. Isn't that good? That's good stuff, man. That is really good stuff. And I can tell that you've got a lot of that kind of good stuff uh, in your repertoire of uh, lessons that you teach. And it's all available. You can find out more from him, how to get in touch with Del Wright by going to this website. It is rightwayleadership.com. And that is Rightway with a W, W R I G H T W A Y rightwayleadership.com. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this, Dell. But when you come back to Orlando, you got to do me a favor and uh, give me a buzz and, and swing in and we'll do another show live in the studio. That'd be fun. I'd be honored to do that. I'm humbled to be with you today. It's been an extreme pleasure. And uh, thank, special thanks to all your listeners for well, tuning in today. And I hope I get to meet some of them in the near future. I do too. And I look forward to having you up here. Del Wright, my guest today. And friends, thank you for being with me for yet another program right here. Afternoons with Mike. <music>